0: Welcome to the Spring Forward Podcast. I'm your host, Spring Richardson-Perry, the organizational change agent that is going to help your business achieve the excellence you desire. If you're a business leader looking to take your business to the next level or simply looking for new ways to spring your business forward, then this is the podcast for you. So let's get down to business and spring forward into excellence. Welcome to the first week of the spring forward podcast i am your host spring richardson perry and i am super excited to be here with you guys today i have with me mr Derek francis as we talk today about remote versus on-site work so we're talking about flexibility and face time do we want flexible time or do we want to be in each other's faces as we're working So I'm super excited to be talking to Derek today about his experiences with that. Let's get it started. Let's spring forward into excellence. So welcome, Derek. Thank you for being with us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Spring. I really appreciate it.
0: I am super excited. This is the very first episode, the launch of the Spring Forward podcast, and I am so excited um and honor that we can share this experience together because we have uh, just a little bit of background information on mr francis here first of all he and i have been friends since high school and so we were just talking about our 20-year reunions coming up and so that kind of gives you an idea of how long (laughs) we've actually known each other um but he is a husband and father of two He is a two-time graduate of Old Dominion University and a member of Phi Beta Sigma fraternity. Um, Derek started his career over 13 years ago as an unpaid summer intern at the US Small Business Administration in Washington, DC. We don't see much of that anymore, those unpaid internships, right? (laughs) This Obama era internship that he did uh, on Capitol Hill really solidified his calling in the area of public service. Um, and it really gave his career a purpose. Um, so during this, through his hard work, um, through consistency, he really rose through the bureaucratic government ranks, um, in both Texas and Louisiana. Um, and then his education and his expertise are in the public sector and public policy and public finance. Right.
1: That's correct.
0: Right. So now he is um, working at Dallas Love Field and overseeing a budget of $1.3 billion, which is (laughs) ridiculous. And um, he is, um, it it, it incorporates operations, um, capital grants, commercial paper, um, and long term debt funds. So Derek here, he and I have had many, many conversations about remote work versus on site work. And, um, you know, during the pandemic, we really, really proved that we can be productive as remote workers. But now that the pandemic is officially coming to an end because Joe Biden says, I think in May, he's officially calling it quits. It's no longer a a pandemic. Um, You know, companies are pivoting. They want to bring employees back on site and this has been a real a real problem um and so i am just honored to have derek here talk to me today and kind of give us his experience with this so um Derek, take it away. Tell us a little right, bit about your Right, right, your experience.
1: I'm ready. <laughs> Absolutely. So first off, thank you so much, Spring, for allowing me to be the first guest on this podcast. I've been waiting for this for a long time, and it's finally <laughs> here. So I'm very, very honored, and thank you so much for, for bringing me on. Uh, and the introduction was was great, right? Spot on. Um, so I, I do have you know, experience with remote work. And also with the um, with the traditional style, and also a little bit of a hybrid kind of like t- like teleworking. So in the federal system, you're allowed to like telework. They've been doing that for decades, so that right. isn't, any, isn't anything new in the federal system. But you know, some private sector companies and some local uh, municipalities, they you know they hadn't had remote work you know before the pandemic, so this was all pretty much new to them. So you know, at Love Field, we we actually did move to a remote environment, okay. um, and, and I can I can delve deeper into you know how how that looked and how it felt, but I can tell you that we were just as productive. So, for example, we had to put together you know an operating budget and then redo the operating budget to right size for COVID all remotely. That's actually doing a budget, that's two full-scale budgets, operating capital, um, PFCs, uh, long-term debt, commercial paper, the whole shebang, digitally. On and, and at the time, at the time, I had a really, really small laptop, right? Because everything, <laughs> we, we would project everything to these monitors. So I had, I had like a, a gang of monitors at my desk. And I would project everything from the laptop to the monitor, so it'd be all big, every time at my desk. But I didn't think about, you know, I might actually have to look at this small laptop screen for a long period of time. So it just wasn't—it wasn't something that was factored in. But I tell you this, and this is something that was written about in the most recent issue of Centerline's magazine. It's available now. Uh, Centerline's magazine is the industry-wide uh, magazine for aviation. Uh, okay. And so there's, a, there's a, this is given by uh, ACI Airports Council International. So it's an international organization that has this magazine called Centerline, and they decided to feature me. And why did they feature me? Because what I did was before the pandemic hit, I said we need to be ready for, or uh, we need to we need to be ready to be more agile. I didn't know that i was i didn't know that god was giving me a revelation that we probably need to be ready for a remote environment but we needed to be more agile than we were so i, I you know i put together the system to take everything from from being static to, to being on the cloud um, to allow folks to access things remotely um basically built this whole new system developed the tool that i that i built from scratch called BudgetStat, which you press one button and have all of the budgetary information uh and pertinent information readily available at a moment's notice but you can access it remotely all these types of things were That's awesome were, right so this is before the pandemic these are the things that I brought to the table, and it was it was it was newsworthy. It was um, uh, an important topic for the magazine because we actually had to implement it during the pandemic remotely. <laughs> so, and it saved us. It saved us a lot because that would have been really really challenging to manage one point three billion dollars, and nobody has access to the office. And nobody has, has office. access. <laughs> so
0: that would have been a nightmare. And then imagine um trying to operate these flights and you don't know what what's going on where and what's happening that would have just been a hot mess
1: well that's another yeah that's another thing that you know that i had to really keep an eye on even though i'm in finance you know the is the the traffic all of those things all those different metrics fall on my desk so i'm right. pretty much a am a one-stop shop for a lot of things and the remote environment and being prepared for the remote environment is what really made a difference it was the preparation for that remote environment and i think that if we embrace the fact that some degree of you know remote work is going to be here for the long haul you know when you look at the federal system you know they're allowing folks to tell over like i said earlier they've been doing that for decades but it's even becoming like you, you don't need to come into work one day a week type thing You know they are really really embracing it in the federal system and i know some folks that in the private sector i was recently um this was a few months ago uh watching a playoff game i'm talking to a guy and he says he hasn't been in the office in over a year (laughs) i mean this guy's making good money you know he's making seriously good money and he had not been in the office in over a year so you know i think it's a part of society and we cannot buck against all of the changes we have to embrace the new ways of doing things so and i think that's been the key to to my personal success embracing uh change
0: yeah and i think it's a generational thing too um you know we i think with our generation we really started to come of age with the internet with um remember AOL instant messenger and like yeah. AOL and how we all were like so fascinated but when we, we i was we were probably like in middle school at the time and um that was like the hot new thing and so um we were coming of age with all this new technology and so we got used to uh, embracing it and learning how to use it and and loving whatever new technology comes out because that's kind of how we grew up. And so when it was time to pivot to remote work for us for our generation, um it wasn't really hard and I don't even think cuz we're millennials, I don't think the Gen Xers had too much of a of a hard time doing it either. It was more of those um the baby boomers and the, the generation that's right above them. I can't think of the name of that generation, but, you know, they had a little bit more of a hard time with the pivot simply because, um, you know, that wasn't necessarily their long term culture. Right. They were introduced to technology for the most part um, later in their career. Um, and especially technology as we know it today. So that remote work shift was kind of um, kind of stressful for them and kind of hard for them. Um, but when you think about the workplace itself, right? you have to think about everybody that you're working with. And so when you're making these decisions, you have to think about, well, you know, this may not be ideal for me, but in terms of my whole team, or if you are the leader of this organization, like the CEO or the president or whatever, you know, you have to think about overall, how how is this going to affect your employees as a whole, your business as a whole, your company as a whole? Um, Because we've seen a lot of pushback when it comes to bringing employees back on site. Um, Disney, I think at the beginning of the year, decided to call their employees back, and they petitioned, and um, you know they had a a lot, a lot of pushback from having to come back to work. Those people that didn't have to necessarily be there, the ones that could work remotely, there was a lot of pushback on that, um, and so it got postponed, sort of. And now, um, from what I'm reading. Disney's actually laying off quite a few people. Um, So it, you know, we're in a strange time right now in terms of our economy and what we've been seeing is mainly been in the tech sector that we've been seeing layoffs lately, but who's, you know, who knows what's to come. But beyond that, right, we've seen other companies like Ford, try to bring their employees back on site, they had a lot of pushback where they had to go back and rethink how they were going to do that. Um, And so it just hasn't been a really good response to bringing employees back fully on site. A lot of companies are now embracing the hybrid mode where they're saying, okay, you come in two to three days a week and then you can be remote the other time, the, the rest of the week. So that's kind of more and more becoming popular. But I remember us I talking about Allstate and how they have made the, the decision based on serving their employees that they're going to allow their employees to remain remote. And they have offices in major locations, major metropolitan areas that they're going to allow their employees to have access to. And so They're saying, you know, if you enjoy coming into the office, it's open and you're welcome to use it. But if you like working remotely, you can stay remote. It's been working for them um, and they're going to continue to allow it. So it just makes you wonder, you know, who is making these decisions? How are they making these decisions and why are they making these decisions to bring their employees back on site if that's not what the employees want? Because every time we see a large company implement, um, a back to work mandate, here comes the pushback. There's so many people that, um, that petition and they, you know, they fight to at least have a hybrid work schedule, if not fully remote. And then we also have to think about those people who may have disabilities who would not necessarily have had access to the workplace prior to the pandemic, because they were disabled, because they weren't able to get up every day and travel into an office, but they could comfortably work from home um, and be very productive, probably more productive than just the the average non-disabled worker. And so, um, you know, what are we doing? What are we doing in those instances? How are we accommodating those employees? What has been, in your experience, Derek, how have these decisions been made with your company in terms of remote versus fully on site or a hybrid schedule like who's making the decisions and how are they making them
1: so that comes from that comes from the top and you know we do have surveys and um you know the surveys are distributed via like google documents and stuff like that so we have surveys the employees are surveyed but the decision is ultimately made at the top Uh, i can tell you for for me you know, I have been involved in two car accidents, you know, going into the office most recently. My jaguar was total being hit by an eighteen wheel, so uh, I have an hour commute. So it would make things a lot easier, you know for me if we were to go to a remote environment, but um, that's that decision is out of out of my hands. But I tell you, I will tell you this, if I'm given the opportunity to uh, give you know significant input, To where it can make a difference, I would say, you know, at least some type of hybrid would be warranted.
0: So are they surveying employees and they're asking for employees' opinions? What is the what is the majority consensus on this? Do they want to be remote? Do they want to be hybrid? Do they want to be fully on site? What is the majority saying here?
1: Well, I wouldn't have access to that data.
0: Gotcha. I I would say my guess is that they want some type of hybrid schedule and this is just like making an assumption because again, we see all of these companies trying to bring their employees back to work mandate and then they come back on site and it, you know, they have to go back to the drawing board because the employees really, really push back and we are moving into a more employee centered type environment now. Um, no longer can, you know, employers make these unreasonable demands and people just comply. People are really challenging employers now um, to really, you know, rethink some of their some of their rules, some of their processes, um, just the way that they operate in general um, since the pandemic, because we've proven that we don't need a micromanager. We don't need Sort of like a big brother always hovering over us at work. You've hired me to do a job and I've proven to you that I can do it on my own and probably be more productive with the flexibility as opposed to being in the office having somebody constantly in my face distracting me all the time.
1: So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can see how that could be beneficial to, you know, having that flexibility could be really, really beneficial. And remote work, I think studies have shown that. You know, folks are just as productive, if not more productive in a remote environment. So um, as, you know, as, you know, more surveys are taken across the economy, you know, maybe folks will see that, you know, a hybrid environment is okay.
0: I'm hoping so. And I think that, um, you know, if this is maybe the norm in the the public sector, because like you said, they've been doing what they call telework um, for decades. You know, you've been and and really that was kind of where it started, because it was like unheard of in the private sector to be able to work from home. Um, You know, back in the day, you really if you worked from home, it was like, oh, they got a good government job and so <laughs> you remember that <laughs> yeah
1: yeah no that, so, that, that that blew my mind the first time i saw that the first time i saw or i heard about teleworking was when i was interning at the sba and they would just like you know only be in the office on like tuesday and thursday and the other days they'd be working from home this was like oh eight oh nine right way back in the day so way before uh, it was popular way it was probably, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. so way before yeah so i would get up every day i would get up every day and um and take the, the train all the way from georgetown i was in the institute at georgetown and, uh, all the way down to capitol hill every single day monday through friday because that's what i that's what i thought working was but they showed me that you know there you know multiple uh, modalities you can you can do the hybrid. You can do telework. It's, you know, it's more than just Monday through Friday, eight to five.
0: Right. It's more to it than 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 being in an office eight to five. You can function, do your same job duties um, that you'll be doing in the office. You can do it from anywhere, really. You know, unless you have this customer facing job, which, you know, some places do. You know, you may be the receptionist. Um, In the office building or for a particular company and so in that in that instance right if you have um, like a storefront presence then of course you need actual customer service people in there so that's not a, a work from home situation um you know if you're working like in the restaurant or hospitality industry um that's not really a work from home type industry either but um in so many other industries in in finance um in just general business, business consulting, um, even in some facets of education, you can you can be fully remote. And so it, you know, again, my rants that I have had over and over again because I'm a I'm an avid proponent for uh, remote work if it can be done remotely. Because when people feel comfortable, they are more productive. And I've always been more comfortable. Um, either working at home from a space that, I, that I'm that i just comfortable in at home or, you know, being out in nature, like being outside and just enjoying the sun and being able to get my work done as well. But it doesn't affect my productivity. Actually, it makes me, well, it does affect it in a positive way. It makes me be more productive because I'm in an environment that I'm familiar with, that I'm most comfortable with, and that I know that I can thrive in. But you know, when I had to be in an office, it was a little intimidating. to I have all these other people around me that wanna talk or come by and ask questions. And I don't mind helping and like bouncing ideas off of me, but a lot of times it was just personal, like, you know, uh, what they call it, water cooler gossip, like, and that's taken away from my productivity. And so, you know, remote work was really, really like, for me, a godsend when, when we all got sent home and we had to be at home working remotely. And ever since then, I kind of, I, I did, I went back for like a year and then I was like, you know what, I can do this remotely. So I'm going to figure it out. And I did, I did. And so I think a lot of people, um, a lot of companies are going to lose employees and we've seen them lose employees because of that, um, because they don't, necessarily consider people's commute time which you mentioned an hour each way that's insane Derek I can't even imagine
1: yeah yeah I live way up and I have seen that I have seen you know folks leave because you know the company wouldn't you know provide a hybrid work environment I have seen that you know with my own two eyes so it does happen
0: and I would also like I would also imagine that if companies that can be remote are requiring employees to be fully on site and are not flexible at all in terms of um, allowing them to at least have a hybrid schedule, I would imagine they have problems hiring people in the first
1: place. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, just look at the economy. You know, if you look at, you, 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 You go up 30,000 feet and just look at the economy, there are more jobs than people to fill the jobs. So, you know, there's a natural competition there for the best employees. So you kind of want to provide the best pay, the best benefits. And if, if, you know, folks are calling for, you know, remote opportunities, you may want to consider that too to be most competitive in today's market. So it's just a market-based approach, just thinking about how you can best compete in the market.
0: Absolutely. So I really enjoyed this. This was really, really, um, it was really informative, like just learning about how your experience with love Field. Like I had no idea you sort of forecasted this moment, which is really amazing. Um, And then you you were talking about putting things in place that actually had to get done when the pandemic hit. And so that is super interesting. And I'm sure that you are an asset to your company for not just that, but just knowing the person that you are and your work ethic and the things that you do, I'm pretty sure that um, they put a lot of faith in you and have um, a lot of responsibility on you that you um, I'm sure can manage, but I'm sure they would hate to lose it at any point in time if ever something happened. And so, um, you know, I'm super proud of you, Derek. It's been, thank you, thank you.
1: We've
0: grown, we've grown into into these people that you just you just don't see it when you're in high school or in you know middle school or what have you. Um, but I'm super proud of the things that you've done and and how far you you've come, and just on a personal level, um, your commitment to to your community, to your family, and to your job.
1: So. Oh. Thank you. Thank you. And, li- and likewise, you know, like I said earlier, before we got on the call, I'm super, super proud of you and everything that you've built and your family as well. So kudos to you on that. And, and, and with, with with regard to the profession, you know, they, they really gave it a ball early on and kind of said, you know, run your play. And, you know, me just, you know, implementing those things to make us more agile. They paid off, you know, when when the pandemic hit it it was a it was a national story because we went from being totally unprepared to being super prepared for something that could have been a major tragedy so you know i'm i'm grateful that i was given the opportunity to, to, to take that shot to be the person with the ball and you know i really enjoy where i'm at thank
0: you so much derek uh have had um, so much fun being on this call with you today. And I'm so excited to get this podcast up and running. Um, and it's a really special that you, you know, agreed to be my first guest. And so thank you so much for being here today.
1: Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. And uh, whenever you need me back on, I'll be right here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sounds good. Thank you.
1: All right, all right.
0: Thanks for listening to the Spring Forward podcast. I hope you were able to capture some of the gems that were dropped and are excited to start using the information to help your business spring forward into excellence. I would love to hear some of your biggest takeaways from this episode. So connect with me on LinkedIn or Facebook or tag me on Instagram at springy underscore springtime. And don't forget to subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. And if you'd like to learn more about how we can work together, visit the website at time2springforward.org. That's T-I-M-E-T-O-S-P-R-I-N-G-F-O-R-W-A-R-D.org. And until next time on the Spring Forward Podcast.